are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Day four of SEC Media Days in Hoover, the last day of SEC Media Days. We've got special coverage right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn and Opelika, Redmond Vodka, distilled right here in Birmingham, and Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. Day four of SEC Media Days, back to just three teams today, headlined by your Auburn Tigers. Lance? Yeah, absolutely, Noah. And you know what? It's been a fantastic week so far. Gotten to uh, just interact with a lot of really, really cool people. And it's been it's been awesome to see. It's been awesome to see a bunch of different media folks. And my first time being here, it's just been a blessing to be a part of it. And I'd love to come back next year and establish some more connections with some different people. But yeah, Auburn, obviously, I believe the headliner of today. You've got Missouri and Arkansas outside of them, but I would argue that Auburn's probably uh, going to be watched the, the 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 closest today. I feel like Harson's going to be asked the most questions. There's it, it, all eyes are going to be on Auburn today in terms of what they're doing. So yeah, it's really exciting. Today's Auburn Day finally. Auburn has the most unknown about them coming to SEC Media Days, especially outside the conference. Me and you have talked at length, and we talked a little bit about this on yesterday's show, which if you missed yesterday's show or you ever miss a show, go and find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And if you're joining us that way, we very much so appreciate your listenership. Hit that follow button on whatever platform you're using. But going back to what I was saying, we talked at length yesterday about how even Auburn folks, if they say they like them, if they say they don't like them, if they say they don't know, they really don't know. In all three occasions, they really know nothing about Brian Harson to this point. We got to see a little bit of him during the spring, limited media activities during the spring, and it was a lot of coach speak. Definitely talked a lot longer than Gus Malzahn, as we pointed out a lot of times throughout the spring, but still not necessarily a ton of non-coach speak talk. Now, you and I were impressed a lot with his vision and with his confidence and with his attitude. It was refreshing. It was a different it was a different personality than what you got with Gus Malzahn. And I think you get to see that today. And of course, we will talk about that. Once again, this is a pre-recorded segment as we switch out our table with the Max Round Table and getting our equipment plugged in and whatnot. I believe you'll see that today at SEC Media Days. I'm curious about what all is said, but going back to the point where nobody really knows a whole lot about Brian Harson, he really has tried to stay out of the limelight in the first couple of months of his tenure at Auburn University. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you were talking about the way Malzahn would uh, would, would address the media compared to Harson. What I, I agree with you, there's a lot of coach speak that we've heard out of Brian Harson, and you know, I kind of said on, on uh, last week's show, I believe it might have been Thursday or Friday, whenever you said fill in the blank, Brian Harson's uh, most often used phrase 
always will be blank. And I said, let me just say this, because he will say, somebody will ask him a direct question about something, and he'll be like, well, let me just say this about that. And then he'll go on a tangent about stuff, and then at the very end of his response, he'll kind of answer the question that they were asking. So, yeah, but I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you this, though. It's it's refreshing compared to what we saw out of Malzahn. You know, he seems to have, he's he's not the, the most energetic guy, but he's, he seems very, very focused, and he seems like he knows what he's doing. He seems like he's got control over the room. I feel like a little bit better maybe than Mal- Malzahn did. That, that's not to say Malzahn's a bad person or anything. I'm just saying it's refreshing to see a different type of personality step in after you've seen Malzahn over the program for, for seven or eight seasons. But, yeah, it, it, it's not been crazy in terms of energy, but it's it, it'll be nice to see him in a, an SEC Media Days type of setting where anybody can just hurl a question at him. So yeah, it's going to be fun. If I can, I'll ask him a few questions. And think about this. The last time we really saw Brian Harson in a main capacity, of course, he's done a couple of events here and there, like the ambush events where you've been able to get a little bit of a soundbite here and there. But the last time we really saw Brian Harson in a main capacity was A-Day. Yeah, back it, in April. Yeah, and it's it's been a hot minute since then. It's been a really long time since we've gotten to see this man on a podium. So we're gonna get him for about twenty five minutes today, and I and I hope everybody makes the most of it. One question for each of the SEC teams appearing today. Of course, Auburn is the headliner. They're actually the last team to go today. The last team to go in all of SEC media days. They save the best for last with Brian Harson, and there's a lot of different venues. There's a lot of different routes that you could go with questions for Auburn. The other two teams, Arkansas and Missouri, two upstart teams last year. I compared the two a lot of times last season here on this show. I compared those two football teams a lot and that they were both on a similar trajectory up. Now, Arkansas didn't end the year like they would have wanted to, and I think you can make the same argument that Missouri did in the year that the way that they wanted to either, especially with that 52-31 to 31 loss to Mississippi State. But both teams did better than expected last season, and they're looking to build on that going into the 2021 football season. One question for each of these teams. We will start in chronological order. First team to appear today, the Missouri Tigers. I think the, the, uh, the one question that I have for Missouri I think it's got to revolve around their defense. I feel like I'm really confident in what Connor Bazelak brings to the table. I'm confident in what this offensive system is going to do uh, in year two of Eli Drinkwitz. But I think a question has to revolve around their defense because it has to improve in order for them to make a move in the in the SEC East standings rather. If they're going to uh, to win some of these 50-50 ball games that we've been talking about all offseason long on their schedule, they're going to have to improve that defense a little bit. 32.3 points per game allowed, 245 passing yards allowed per game. That was 84th nationally. They bring back six starters out of that defensive unit. They've got a lot of offensive production coming back, it seems like. So I'm not concerned about that side of the ball. I want to see this defense improve because, again, you've got to be able to get a turnover here or there. You've got to be able to get stops in order to to win some of those 50-50 matchups. The road game at Boston College, early in the season, week two at Kentucky, uh, Tennessee at home, Texas A&M, Georgia on the road, Florida, and then to end the season on the road at Arkansas. You've got to be able to get some of those swing games. Uh, you got to get your defense going in some of those swing game so I think my question is is what are they going to do to execute better on that side of the football taking a look at those Missouri Tigers my one question about Missouri is there's a clump of teams after Florida it goes Georgia Florida and then there's a clump of teams now among that clump of teams 
there are select people out there that think one of those teams could overtake Florida. That clump of teams, Kentucky, Missouri, primarily those two. I think you could also insert Tennessee there. Now, I see very few people expecting Tennessee to to go far and above and beyond what they think their projection is at, which is most of the time around six wins for Tennessee, which going back to Auburn, it still bewilders me that people think Auburn is going to finish in the same category as Tennessee, but we'll save that for another segment. My question about this Missouri team is, why are they better than any of the other teams in their clump? Why will they be better than Kentucky? Why could they be better than Tennessee? What will prevent this team from just being caught up in the common rabble? Now, I think this Missouri team very much so has the potential, and you pointed this out in your early, early projections all the way back into the spring. You looked at the schedule and you said, man, these guys could get hot if these guys find a way to win all of their 50-50 games. They go 10-2, only losing to Florida and Georgia. They could do that. That's how nice this schedule sets up. It sets up nicer than Kentucky's. It sets up nicer than Tennessee's. They have the most favorable schedule of that group. But even with that schedule, my questions about this team is, sell me on why this team will actually do it. Because the last time that we heard about this team possibly being able to have a year like this and they had a schedule like this, it was when Kelly Bryant transferred to Missouri back in 2018. And that squad just went 8-5. So I want to know why is this team going to be better than Kentucky, a team who has shown on repeated occasions that they can overachieve, whereas Missouri pretty much just just average or they underachieve? Well, I think one of the reasons that you could point to is the fact that Missouri is the only one out of the three those three teams that brings back a quarterback. They bring back Connor Basilak. Kentucky's trying to find a quarterback right now. Tennessee's going through a quarterback battle right now. We were talking about that just a couple of days ago on the show here at SEC Media Days. I think that's going to go a long way. I think having that experience, having a guy that was able to throw for over 2,300 yards last year in the SEC, you bring back some of, some of his guys, you bring back four starters on that O-line that are going to be able to protect him he's he's gonna have a he's going to have a run at it and I think he's going to do well and you know you look at that week two matchup at Kentucky that's a game that Missouri can go and take as long as Kentucky's not found out who their quarterback is and then you go and you look after that Boston College game you get Tennessee at home is that a bye week before that Tennessee game I might be I might be completely wrong on that but Missouri's bye week is before the Vanderbilt game. Before the Vanderbilt game. So, yeah, I think I think that it, both of those games set up relatively nicely. I, I would say that, that Missouri, you, you, get, you get Kentucky on the road, that's okay, but it's early. And then you get Tennessee at home, and you can do a lot of things at home. So, yeah, I think Missouri will have a pretty good shot to get past both of those squads just because of the timing of the matchups. Switching teams now to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Sam Pittman at the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, this is the first time that we've gotten to see Sam Pittman at SEC Media Days, along with Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. Sam Pittman and his crew of hogs rolling into Hoover. What's your main question for Arkansas? I think my main question for Arkansas is, how do you guys make a bowl game? What, what, in what way, how, what are the things that you are going to do 
to make a bowl game this season because I'm going to be honest with you, Noah. I think that's kind of the ceiling for this team. They bring back so many starters, eight on offense, nine on defense, but you look at that schedule and it seems like a really, really tough out just about every turn uh, on, on, on that schedule week in and week out. And, you know, they've got the talent to do it. They've got the talent to make a bowl game. It's just I don't know if they're going to because the schedule is so tough. So my question is, is you know, last year's defense was, was porous. You bring back two of the best linebackers in the country however you know you've got a you've got a potential potential good quarterback in KJ Jefferson in my opinion you've got two really talented receivers in Trey Knox and Traylon Burks how are you going to utilize them and how are you going all of those players and how are you going to get them to a bowl game Looking at Arkansas, there's a lot of questions. You could go in a lot of different directions here. You could go with that defensive line. They gave up nearly 200 rush yards per game. They gave up 192 rush yards per game. They also weren't great at getting after the passer. Only 14 sacks last season across 10 games. That's a whopping 1.4 sacks per game. The defensive backfield also weak. Gave up 260 pass yards per game. Allowed opposing quarterbacks to complete 66.3% of their passes. This Arkansas defense had the fortitude of wet paper this was a bad Arkansas defense and you know that's probably you're pointing to the the right thing there's a lot of different areas that you can question in specific about the Arkansas defense I think you're pointing to the right thing because when you look at Arkansas on offense although they weren't great statistically they actually were higher than Auburn in the conference in points per game in different yardage categories Arkansas was sitting at squarely eighth in the league last year they were able to average over 25 points per game now that's not good and I think you see a bump to that total just by default because you get a non-conference schedule now I think most teams will see about a three points per game jump especially if they were a really disappointing team last year they might just get three points per game added to it because they get to play in East Tennessee State they get to play in Nickel State they get to play in Alabama State so you get to insert that blowout game in there and that does skew the numbers a little bit but what is this Arkansas team doing I'll open this up a little bit broader what building blocks what what blocks is this team adding adding to the foundation to what they laid last year because I don't think you and I can question they laid a foundation last year they found a way to win three SEC games in an all SEC schedule when you look at them the last couple of years what did they did they even win an SEC game the two years prior they didn't they went two and ten in back-to-back years they hadn't won an SEC game in over two years and they found a way to win three last season so what blocks are being added to this team to actually truly make them better or will they overall resemble what they were last year because if they overall resemble what they looked like last year of course they were able to beat two SEC West teams in Mississippi State and Ole Miss if they do that again this year that's going to get them to a bowl game if they find a way to beat Mississippi State that is going to get them to a bowl game where does the other SEC win come from that will be tough they have a tough SEC East schedule with Georgia and Missouri if they can beat Mississippi State they put them one win away from getting into that bowl game and it's that extra building block that I'm talking about right here we don't know what it is what is it that will give them an edge possibly over someone else on their schedule at some point to be able to try and get them to that bowl game. I think it might be just experience, honestly. No, I can't really see. Like, statistically, last year they weren't very good, and they bring back a lot of talent from that team. And so the question is, is how can experience help you improve on some of the things that you didn't do well? I want to quickly take a look at the schedule. Rice should be a win. 
Texas, I'm thinking, is a loss. Georgia Southern should be a win. And then you have a stretch where you go A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn. And that's going to be really, really tough. You get Arkansas Pine Bluff. That should be a win. Mississippi State, I'd say that's a, that they've got a pretty good chance to win that. But then you've got LSU and Alabama and Missouri to close that out. I just don't know if I see six wins on this schedule. I will point out a couple of potential wins here. I'll say these are my wins right here. I'll say Rice. And, and it hurts them because they have to play Texas in the non-conference schedule, right? There are not four non-conference wins and when I was just speaking in a moment ago I actually overlooked that there are only three non-conference wins so they actually have to probably win three SEC games which I don't know if I see three SEC wins on here either and I talked about that with Missouri I think there's a real possibility that two SEC West teams don't go bowling this year because they only get to five and seven which rarely happens but if I was going to point to a couple of wins on the Arkansas schedule I would say Missouri Texas A&M and Mississippi State and Missouri and Texas A&M are stretches but the only reason why I suggest that Texas A&M game in Dallas which what is that that's week four yes that's week four in Dallas the only reason why I suggest that is Arkansas and A&M typically is a close game regardless of how bad one of these two teams are right yeah and I think Arkansas if if A&M has not gotten things going has not figured things out from a offensive perspective going into that ball game if A&M still struggling to score they're only scoring you know the, their max capacity and points per game is at about 28 now that defense is good enough to win you a football game if you score 28 points right but you know that that game will be in arm's reach if A&M only stays in the 20s A&M gets into the 30s I think it's out of arm's reach because of that defense but if A&M stays in the 20s in that football game Arkansas has a chance and look no further than what happened last year in the trends of what happened last year in that Auburn Arkansas game Auburn couldn't get out of the 20s until they kicked that game-winning field goal from Anders Carlson and guess what Arkansas roared back at a comeback I think Arkansas has some experience I think Arkansas has some pieces to push A&M in week four that could be a decisive moment for them in their season to where they it uses it as a springboard to project them to a bowl game by the end of the year or it could be like oh this is the same old Arkansas team as last year I think that's the real measuring stick game for this team not week two against Texas I think you learned the most about this Arkansas team in week four against Texas A&M last team here that we got to switch to already talked to him a lot but let's condense it down to one question right here Auburn Tigers last team to hit the main podium today I don't think this is the most relevant question to ask Brian Harson, but I do want to ask him you know you've got a really really tough week three matchup on the road at Penn State how are you going to prepare your players mentally and physically for that really really tough road environment because that's going to help them down the road a lot in my opinion whenever I say down the road look no further than two weeks from now or two weeks from them rather when they go on the road and they have to play in Baton Rouge against LSU I mean if you come out of Penn State relatively unscathed and that you 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 are able to combat that environment you can go on the road against LSU and you can do the exact same thing a little bit tougher of a team but the environment's not necessarily going to be as much of a factor as it would have potentially been so my question is, is what are you doing to prepare your players for that because it definitely will help you down the road let's just be real he's at SEC media days the question about this Auburn football team and every single media personality that we have talked to about Auburn they always bring up the quarterback Bo Nix this is a guy that PFF has ranked 67th nationally amongst quarterbacks they ranked every single quarterback in the FBS amongst starters of course 
And Bo Nix finished at 67th on PFF's platform. Now, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Of course, PFF's ranking folks on a different on a different scale, and they have their own metrics on how they rate guys. 67th is a little ridiculous. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that down the list. But one thing is for sure: last season was underwhelming. I thought he had a good freshman year, something to build upon. Last year, he didn't build on it. The question is. What step forward? Really, it needs to be a leap. If Auburn's going to achieve their goals, it doesn't need to be a step. The step should have happened last year. This year, it has to be a leap to make up for lost time. The leap has to happen for Bo Nix. Is this guy your unquestioned leader at quarterback? You brought in a a TJ Finley out of LSU. There's so much swirling around this quarterback position. I want to know if he settles it here at SEC Media Days. And we will talk about that when we come back. We'll be live from Hoover. Day four of SEC Media Days, talking Auburn football. When we come back, you're listening to On the Line special coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka at Kia of Auburn. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Day four of SEC Media Days in Hoover, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka and Kia of Auburn. 30 minutes through today's show. we still got an hour and a half of action-packed content interviews with Andy Burcham of the Auburn Sports Network as well as former Auburn quarterback Charlie Trotman, also one of several fine commentators on the Max Roundtable, the show that goes on air every weekday before us from 11 to 2 on ESPN 106.7. Also, Auburn players at the moment making their rounds on Radio Row. We have gotten word from the SIDs that we'll get at least one of those players here on our show today. So just taking our time and and waiting on these guys to make their rounds as they'll get to us here on the show today. And uh, we'll be talking with Bo Nix or Owen Papo here this afternoon. Still going along with what happened today at SEC Media Days for Auburn and what they had to say at the main podium. You asked a fantastic question to Brian Harson about culture and about what he's bringing to Auburn that maybe even is a little bit different than the previous coaching staff. Let's take a listen to Brian Harson's lengthy but excellent answer on the culture he's bringing to Auburn. Well, I, I think there's – let me just say this, and, and let me back up. Um, Auburn's had a lot of success – in the past, they've had a lot of great coaches. They've had a lot of great people come through their program. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to get a chance to talk with some of that. We had Sammy Coach, Trevon Reed. I've met Bo Jackson. I've got a chance to be around um, a, lot of pl- uh, a lot of different players that um, have come through Auburn. And so, you know, we're building a new facility, right? And we had one that was, was there a long time, but there's a lot of great players, Cam Newton, Heisman Trophy winners, and so on, that came through that program. And so, you know, is it different every staff? Absolutely. All right. The one thing for us, you know, as we come in right now, I mean, we, we have to do a great job of connecting with our players. We've got to get to know them. Uh, and through COVID, that didn't help, right? Being able to know their families and, and being out there on the road and, and getting face-to-face, we had to do it via Zoom and other ways uh, and be very creative. But connecting with our players and letting them know, number one, we're here for you, Number two, here are the expectations. Well, what are the expectations from you? Simple, your personal best. Simple. Show up, care, and repeat every single day. And you know how we're going to do that? You're going to do it to the very best of your ability every single day. That's the standard. All right, how do we do that? Discipline. All right, understand what discipline is. Not disciplining, not punishment. What is discipline? All right, self-regulation. 
All right, you got to be able to get up and do things over and over and over to build those habits to be successful. Understand that. You want to be great, here's what it takes. All right, what comes with discipline, toughness, right? If you're going to do that consistently and in this game, you better be tough physically and mentally. All right, you better be able to perform at your very best when the circumstances are against you. I don't want you to survive, I want you to thrive in situations where things get really difficult and tough for you. And then the last one is conviction. I want you to believe. And number one in yourself, like you better believe you can win. You better believe you can hit that weight. You better believe you can make those 300s. You better believe you can run those decks. When you wake up, I want you believing in yourself and I want you believing in what we're doing. And so when we go out there and play, on September 4th, I want our fans and everybody that watches and tunes into our game, I want them to see a disciplined team, a tough team, and a team that believes they can win every time they step on the field and every single practice. So, you know, is that different from what the previous staff had? I have no idea. I didn't dive into, you know, what their core values were. Um, I got a chance, you know, what I did when I took the job is I wanted to see it. I wanted to witness you know, what this team was about. I wanted to see why guys show up late. I wanted to see why guys didn't finish. I wanted to see those things for my, myself with my own eyes and make my own determinations. Maybe they don't know or maybe they don't care. Either way, that was a problem. So we've had to change that. You want to win, you want to be consistent, you want to be one of those teams that every single year, all right, you're in the hunt for an opportunity to play and win a championship. All right, well, you better bring your personal best every single day. You better be disciplined, you better be tough, and you better have conviction for what it is you're doing. And, um, you know, that's, that's been my message with our guys. And, and then we've, we've simplified that more. We've talked about character, and we simplified it down to just being 1-0. And there's things that come with that. But, hey, focus on the task at hand, the moments that you're in, uh, because there's a lot of distractions. And let's just go 1-0. And simplifying that every single day, when you can win that day and you stack those days together, then come Saturdays, what do you do? Exactly what you want. You cut it loose. You know I've won Sunday through Friday. So what am I going to do on Saturday? I'm going to win. And that's what everybody wants. So, all right, you don't do that unless you know deep down inside you've done everything you can all those days to have yourself ready to go out there and play that way. And if you're out there thinking and playing and going like, damn, should I have done more? That's not going to win games in this conference. So your personal best every single day, that's the expectation. We have a, pro a plan for you and a blueprint that we've shared with our guys. And then the discipline, toughness, and conviction every single day uh, are the things that we've talked about in our program. And that's who we are. That's who we'll always be. And those are the things that we strive for daily. Does that not make you want to run through a wall? That yeah. makes me want to run steps in Jordan Hare Stadium. Yeah, man, he uh, he knows how to hype up his guys. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let me just say this: like he uh, he opened the uh, the question with, with. I find it interesting, Noah, that I I asked him about you know what was his previous coaching staff doing, right? And he answered that about halfway through. Uh, for specifically, is 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 this different from what the previous coaching staff had? He said he had no idea. He didn't dive into their core values, but what he did see and what it, what he wanted to see 
from what the, what these players were doing is, you know, he wanted to see why they weren't finishing. He wanted to see why they weren't showing up on time. He wanted to see why they weren't as disciplined as he wants them to be. And he's been able to learn and study throughout this process. And, you know, it, he said maybe it wasn't they didn't know how to uh, go out there and how to be disciplined, or maybe they don't care. But either way, it was an issue, and so he has to fix that. And I find that interesting. I'm not saying that, oh, Gus Malzahn's a bad coach because he didn't do this or this or whatever, but I just find it interesting that if that's what Harson is saying is that, look, the guys that were that are on this program were not as disciplined as they should have been. For a top-tier SEC program, they should be they should be a little bit more disciplined. Than that I found that interesting, and I really like the approach that he's bringing. You know, like look, this is just one and no mentality. Focus on the task at hand today. Build on yourself today, and get better each and every single day. And be repetitive in the discipline that you have. Be repetitive in the processes that you that you take to in order to better yourself, and uh, you'll you'll come out of it as a winner. I think it's really telling some of the things that he said. And, of course, you couple that with some of the changes that we've seen with strength and, strength and conditioning and Owen Papo saying that he feels like a Marine, right, and some of the things that they've got him out there doing. We've all heard those changes. And you hear about early morning workouts and whatnot. There's definitely the tough guy mentality coming into the program. And that can only mean good things because a big part about Auburn being competitive, a big part about Auburn being competitive in the SEC and, and not having some of those disappointing finishes against Alabama, Georgia, whatnot, is being tough in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you mentioned being tough in the trenches. That's something three or four SEC head coaches have, have harped on uh, over the past few days, you know, they'll be asked about, you know, what's something that surprised you whenever you came to the SEC or what's one of the most important things when it comes to re recruiting. And Missouri's head coach spoke on it. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M's head coach spoke on it. Jimbo Fisher did. Ed Ogeron spoke on it. Um, South Carolina Shane Beamer spoke on it. Uh, I believe Josh Heupel spoke on it as well as about, you know, how important it is that you're able to recruit well both on the offensive and the defensive line, and that's what makes this league special, and that's what makes it so difficult for some of these lower-tier teams is they aren't recruiting as well as some of the guy, uh, guys on top. So you've got to be able to go out there and you've got to be able to recruit those positions well and you've got to have them physically, physically ready week in and week out. It's what makes the SEC special, Noah. It's, it's the offensive and defensive line. It's what wins the game. It's one in the trenches, and you know, the SEC He's got a lot of talent at that spot. And, you know, Auburn uh, actually has quite a bit of production returning from the past few seasons. So the guys that are staying and they're th that, that were, were here in previous years that, they're, that are staying and that they're trying to discipline themselves more and they're trying to better themselves, we may see some of these former four- or five-star recruits pan out to what they truly could have become. Let's head to a quick break here on On the Line. Day four coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here in Hoover, Alabama. Day four of SEC Media Days on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama presented by the Orthopedic Clinic Redmond Vodka and Kia of Auburn. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here with you talking about Auburn today, day four of SEC Media Days as they took to the podium, discussed at length about Brian Harson's culture and what he's trying to bring into the Auburn Tigers as well as Owen Papo and Bo Nix right now currently making their rounds 
here on Radio Row. Got word that Owen Papo will be headed our way shortly. So we'll uh, we'll see at what point that that happens, whether that's this segment or next segment. It should be coming relatively soon with Owen Papo, Auburn All-Conference linebacker, headed our way pretty soon here on On the Line. But still going along and talking about what Auburn had to say today at SEC Media Days, Brian Harson was asked about name image likeness today, and he echoed senti uh, similar sentiments to Nick Saban and what he had to say yesterday. And basically just, we need more information. Let's take a listen to those comments that Harson had on name image likeness. Um, as far as NIL, man, there is a lot to learn on this name image and likeness. And there's been a lot of questions about it. You know, not many coaches can answer, what does this mean? You can go through the obvious, right? <clears throat> what does that mean when the star player is making more than the guys that are actually doing the work in front of them? What's that going to look like? I think it comes back to your team. I think it comes back to the guys that are in that locker room, how they treat each other, and just know that there's not going to be the same deals for everybody on the football team. Uh, how do you explain that and show that? Well, there's going to be examples that we're going to be given that we're going to have a chance to use over time to show our players, hey, this is how they handled it. This is how they handled it. Here's how we can handle it. And so you're just going to need some more information, in my opinion, to make uh, calculated and educated guesses on where we think this thing is going. Uh, the one thing about it, you know, football right now, it, it, it's at this level especially, and if you want to be an elite player, all right, one of the things it takes is tremendous focus and time. Tremendous focus and time. And so, you know, guys that are going to utilize this NIL, and I, I think it's an awesome opportunity for guys to make uh, some money, to be able to do some things from a business standpoint and really learn that lesson along the way. Uh, and also, as we explained in our first meeting when we talked about it, all right, to understand taxes because not anybody in there really knew that. They're taking their amount of money, dividing it by 12, and you're like, hold on a second, there are taxes. They're like, what's that? All right, so all right, we explained that to them. So, you know, we're getting the chance to, to educate them on real-life things. That was Auburn head coach Brian Harson speaking about name, image, likeness. And now we have a special guest joining us, Auburn linebacker Owen Papo. Owen, <laughs> we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I, I appreciate y'all having me, man. Owen, of course, a lot of changes coming to the Auburn program, and it's a really exciting time inside the Auburn program right now. We've got so much to cover with you, but first, we were talking about not, not too long ago the culture that Brian Harson's bringing into the yeah. program. It's a very tough guy, disciplined culture. Oh, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. What kinds of changes is he bringing to Auburn? Oh, uh, man, just everybody's really disciplined now. You know, 1-0 has been the message uh, all, all summer long. 1-0 uh, basically means, man, just win every day. Take it day by day. Give it all that you can uh, and just try to be great. Talk to me about some of the things that you and McLean and some of the other guys in that linebacking core are focusing on this season to get better. Man, just show them everybody that, they, uh, that we're the best. Um, we, we truly believe that we do have the best linebacking group in, in the country, and uh, we see a lot of people count us out, but that's okay. It's just putting a chip on our shoulder, making us want to go harder. He hasn't been a defensive coordinator in quite some time, but that doesn't mean he's lost his touch. No. Derek Mason coming into the program. What things are you learning from him and, and his and his beautiful mind when it comes to defense? Yeah, man, he's at, man he actually talks about life a lot more than uh, even he does ball. But, you know, as far as ball goes, um, man, uh, just just the ability to be able to just put our, our full um, skill set on display this season. Uh, 
going to be able to run around, make a lot of tackles, going to be able to go out and coverage, you know, uh, cover receivers, cover tight ends, take the running back out the backfield, uh, show our pass rushing ability. Um, we learned a lot of stuff from uh, technique-wise too, but it's, it's going to be scary this season. <laughs> and obviously some of those plays that you all be able to make defensively, it's going to be a lot more hype if you all actually have fans there. Talk to oh, me yeah. about those first two games of the season against Akron and Alabama State, how excited you are to have fans back in the stadium. Man, can't wait. Can't can't wait, man. Look, looking forward to it. Uh, going, going into camp in a couple weeks so um you know after you know we do everything install everything we got to we're going to be focused on akron but uh man, i can't wait man the missed out on having the fans last year finally having back this year so it's going to be exciting to be in front of them again you were talking about learning things about life as well from Derek mason yeah what, what life lessons has he been teaching you guys in these short few man, months just um I, t- I would say one of the biggest things in um which which kind of help guys get bought in even more is just the, uh, the the factor of change man it's inevitable it's gonna happen in life it's, it's a part of life man and just being able to, able to adapt and uh and grow from it looking at going into now your junior season here on the plains and you and you've been here and you've grown each and every year yeah. you started as a freshman and now to your to this point what what things do you feel like you do really well at this point in your career and what things do you think you can work on yeah. as you get ready to take the step to the next level in the next couple of years? Uh, I, I play fast, uh, make a lot of plays. Uh, I think um, some things that I'll be able to improve on, Just uh, not even that I'm bad, just uh, making that extra effort to make more um, plays in a passing game, You know, get more interceptions. Uh, finally, having a first one last year, I was really excited about that. Um, and also just uh, get, being on and off blocks. Uh, I fe- found myself a few times last year getting glued on blocks. Just So just being able to just uh, be, be on and off and just continue to play fast. But um, also a smart player, um, watch a lot of film. So I try to play, uh, use what I watch throughout the week um, during the game too so I can be able to play faster and um, just pre-snap reads and things like that. Are there any linebackers that, that you've watched growing up or, or yeah. other defensive players that you look up to? Yeah. Um, growing up, I actually um, actually didn't start uh, playing football until eighth grade. Now, I was, I was watching basketball <laughs> all my life growing up. But, you know, here and there I saw, you know, Ray Lewis play, Patrick Willis and stuff like that. But a couple of guys in the league that whose game I respect a lot and watch is, uh, I'll say, Fred Warner and uh, Devin White. Those, those are uh, two main dudes I like to watch. As far as strength and conditioning is concerned, I know you were asked about this. Mm-hmm. What 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 is different about your guys' workouts? Uh, it's almost more intense. With Russell, uh, it was more like just training speed stuff, uh, flexibility. We do the same thing with Pitt too, but we we load the bar up. Uh, we didn't load the bar as, as much as we are now uh, with Russell. But um, uh, everybody on the string teams getting stronger, and you know it feels better too. Auburn obviously has brought in a lot of transfers, specifically on the defensive side of the ball yeah. over the past few months. Who is a guy that has been standing out so far in practice? Uh, Donovan Kaufman. Uh, he a guy that, that came from Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, just his approach to the game, man, I love it. Um, goes hard all the time in the weight room, on the field, gets extra work in. Uh, you know, Auburn alum Trayvon Reed becoming dude, trained guys. He's always over there. Uh, uh, I'm a guy who watches film a lot. Every time I walk up to the offices, uh, you know, go talk to Coach Schmidt, I see him in the defensive staff room. Just, just trying to get better, just trying to learn the system like the back of his hand so he can be, able, be out there uh, able to make plays. And um, I think he's going to have a, a big, have a big, huge impact on this defense this year. There's been a lot of projections out there yeah. that maybe have Auburn a little bit down a little bit more than, you know, I mean, we're, we're high on Auburn. We think that this yeah. is a team that, that can that can overachieve this year, maybe compared right. to people picking y'all to finish fifth in the SEC West. Sell folks on why there's a lot of upside with you guys this year. Yeah, man, one, one of the messages that I, I've uh, been preaching to the team and along with other leaders on the team is that we got to block out the noise, you know, just just control what we can control and, and know that the pen is in our hand and that this is our story to write. Uh, we're, we're in control of everything that happens. We can be as good as that we want to be. And uh, going into the season, uh, everybody, confidence levels, 
going through the roof. We uh, we're getting closer as brothers off the field, and I think that's going to show on the field this season, and uh, we're going to shock a lot of people. In, in answer to a question that we actually asked Brian Harson when he was at the main podium earlier today, he said that he wants fans to see a team that is disciplined, tough, yep. and believes they can win when mm-hmm. they step out there on Saturdays. Yes, sir. What types of things is he conveying to you guys to help create that belief in y'all to go and win on Saturdays? Just uh, just from the little things we do, like competitions, uh, uh, it pays, pays to be a winner. That, that's one thing that he says to us all the time, man, things like that, man. Just just working for everything that you got. Uh, little things like, like cleaning up the locker room, picking up trash on the ground, um, being 10 minutes early to everything, you know, just things to, to get us disciplined and, and, and show, and that, that stuff's going to show on the field. Looking at the other side of the ball with yeah. quarterback Bo Nix, he came with you here today. What types of things have you seen in, in him growing up going into his third year? Yeah, he, uh, he just, uh, from what I've seen um, going through these player-led practices, he just feels more more comfortable playing out there. Uh, he has his battle scars already. Uh, he, he knows what to expect. Um, you know, been getting with Bo, Bo, Bo has been getting him right. Uh, so I, I think he's going to have a really good uh, year this year. And you, obviously you and Bo come in here as leaders of this Auburn football team. Talk to me about what it means to be a leader and be a leader in the locker room. Uh, man, just just try to do everything right all the time and, and try to bring guys along with you. Um, even the young guys coming in from high school, they, they don't know, you know what I'm saying, how, exactly how things go. So you got to show them the way uh, and just teach them things that they can apply to what they're already doing right too. Owen. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. This is absolutely phenomenal, my man. I appreciate y'all having me. Best of luck this season at War Eagle. War Eagle, brother. That was Owen Papo, Auburn All-Conference linebacker here joining us on the line as we're getting ready to head to our top-of-the-hour break. Lance, a lot of great insights there from the Auburn linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. I love it whenever we get to sit, sit down and actually get, a, get to talk to some of these players. It's incredible to see a leader like him and to see leaders like Bonex out here, and you can tell he's got that leadership mentality, and I love that last question that I asked. And, you know, it's definitely tough for, for a guy like him. He said literally just doing every single thing right all the time, and I know that's got to be tough, but, man, he is part of an exceptional linebacking core. I mean, you talk about Zacobin. McLean, Chandler Wooten, uh, Dylan Brooks coming in as a freshman. I mean, they've got it's a star-studded position group, man. And I, I am really ex- also I'm really excited what he said about Donovan Kaufman coming in as a transfer from Vanderbilt. You know, saying that he's been incredibly impressive uh, the, during during this offseason so far. So I, I have so much. I have so much excitement about that side of the ball defensively. I think they're definitely going to show up and show out this year lot to like about this Auburn defense. So much experience on that side of the ball. you got seven starters returning on that side. Pretty much all of the defensive backfield is back. You've got your linebackers back. You've got your signal, signal callers on that side of the ball back this year for Auburn football. There's a lot to like about this defense. So there's a lot to get excited about. And when you have someone like Owen Papo sit down in front of you, you can see that flesh out the way that he speaks and the excitement that you can hear through his voice. That was a great interview. And if you missed any of that, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's it for hour number one here, day four SEC Media Days. We'll be back with hour number two coming back in just a few moments. You are on the line. 
Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 106.7 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Live in Hoover, Alabama, day four of SEC Media Days. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line, 334-564-1840. Special coverage of SEC Media Days in Birmingham presented by the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn at Opelika. Redmond Vodka distilled right here in Birmingham at Keogh of Auburn where you're always number one. We just talked with Owen Papo Lance here in that previous segment. What was kind of your takeaways there uh, with Papo? Yeah, I just really excited to actually get to get to speak with him in person and get to c- kind of see what he's about. Uh, he seemed very energetic, seemed very upbeat, seemed like he was really happy to be here and had some really good insight as to what it takes, you know, to be a leader and what uh, some of the things going on defensively on the side of the ball, uh, that side of the ball with Derek Mason and Brian Harson and how they're coaching those guys up. And, it, you know, it's been a fantastic time here at SEC Media Day. It's great to actually get that interview with Papo again. If you missed it, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You could go listen to that interview. Yeah, but really solid stuff from Papo. Uh, you know, he's just kind of, you know, something that was asked earlier this week. I don't remember who asked it and what coach it was towards. But, you know, it's talking about, you know, most teams like to take on the personality of their coach, right? And they, they kind of embody that. And so I, I definitely saw that in Papo. I definitely saw that focused mentality. Uh, I definitely saw, you know, him, his his understanding of discipline and understanding of what it takes to go out there and win uh, just again great stuff from Papo headed back to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 text line at 334-564-1840 I think we've got Terry now Terry how you doing today I'm here guys how y'all doing we're doing great what's on your mind I appreciate y'all appreciate y'all doing work up there today um well there's been so many comments about the the lack of work ethic maybe the overall scheme I thought Gus Malzahn was more in love with what he wanted than what he needed at times but the one thing, I, the one thing he did, I, I didn't like a lot of things he did. But the one thing I did like was he forced Nick Saban to do something he didn't want to do. What's Brian Harson going to do now? That's what I want to do on the field. What's he going to do? Because you, if you line up trying to play big boy football against Nick Saban, you'll get smashed. With that and, being and, said, and, and I do agree with that. With that being said, though, I, I look at those games that Auburn really like. Malzahn, although he game planned great for Alabama, game planned terribly for Georgia. And a lot of times, I was left thinking, "Man, these guys could use a little bit of extra toughness in the trenches." And I think I think Harson can fix that. I don't know. I just I just I think it's important to make Nick Saban leave his comfort zone. Um, that's what that's what Texas A&M was doing in the early days. Of course, not not many Johnny Manziel's come down the pipe very often. But you guys follow what I'm saying there. If you let him get comfortable, he'll beat your brains in because he's going to get all the five stars. And right, and, and I've said this. Big, Go ahead. And if you line up trying to play big boy football, he's going to smash you. And it, it, you might you might be tougher, and it might be a closer game, but guess what? It's still a loss. And I've said this many times. I've said you can't out Alabama, Alabama, and now it's Absolutely almost not. became true that you can't Alabama, uh, you can't out Georgia, Georgia, right? Those two teams recruit better than 98 to 99% of college football, and unfortunately Auburn is included in that 98, 99%. And so I'm with you. I think you're going to get more competitive matchups. 
I don't know what Brian Harson's going to do differently, maybe to make Nick Saban uncomfortable and whatnot. We had, to be honest with you, Terry, and I know you're probably in this boat. I don't, I don't know how much Boise State football you've watched because it's not televised that often. It's kind of hard to see, but I, I know that. Uh, I, I'm with you there. I don't think that you can line up in the trenches and necessarily try out Alabama, Alabama. But uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what he could do to to make no, Nick Saban uncomfortable. Some responsibility is going to be on Mike Bobo as well, and and they'll learn that. That'll be something that'll be on the field. But I'm just curious what it's going to be because I mean, while he's adding toughness and all that, and I'm I'm for all that. And you're right, you're right, guys. That that interview you just made more, made you want to run through a brick wall. Uh, but but you know, all that being said and done, everybody everybody's undefeated right now. And, yeah, and that. Go ahead. I just, I just don't, I just don't, I just think you got to. Nick Marshall made Nick Saban do something he didn't want to do, and that's that, what you have to do. You can't, you can't do that. You can't go in there and line up and play big boy football because he's going to get, he's going to get, the, he's going to get the big time recruits, and he's going to, he's going to murder you. Are you happy losing by three just because you're more competitive? Or are you happy losing by thirty? I mean, what's the and, difference when the grand scheme of things? And Terry, I want to ask you this question too because, uh, and I'm not conceding defeat to Alabama on a regular basis. Neither am I doing that to Georgia when no. I ask you this question. But um, I, I want to say, like, would you, would you be happy if Auburn was a nine and three, ten and two team every year, and then maybe make a run at an SEC title, national championship every four or five years? Yes, I would be very happy. But but what would make me happier is that those three and two and three losses would be competitive losses, not a forty nine to six. Right. And I think that's what we're headed to now because you look at some of those off years and, and you look at last year and getting beat by Georgia, what was it, like 27-6 to 6 last season, and you look at getting beat the way that you lost to A&M where you were winning for so long, and then the fourth quarter you still find a way to lose by two touchdowns, 31-20, to 20, or you lose to Northwestern, 35-19. to 19. I, I, I think you end up winning a lot of those football games now, and you end up that's what gets you to 9-3, and 10-2. I think when you do lose, it ends up being much more respectable. It, it ends up, you, you want it to look a little bit more like Georgia's looked like over the last couple of years, right? Let me let me make this prediction, guys. If we're if y'all are sitting up there and, and everything's still hunky dory, it's four years. He's zero four against Nick Saban. He will be judged by that, whether you like it or not. And that is a very true statement. And I'll say this too, though. Each of the last, let's see, I'm trying to go back. Every coach that I could think of, going back to Pat Dye, and obviously I've been talking about Auburn and Light since 1980 when Pat Dye got here. All of them found a way to beat Alabama. So I'm trying to figure out. It, like I don't see Brian Harson being any different, right? Everybody's found a way to beat Alabama at Auburn, and I liked their quotes today. Whether I liked what Bo Nix had to say earlier today about uh, Tony Fair and taking the the head off of the elephant and saying that you know we're we're not afraid of Alabama. Nobody here is scared of Alabama. We come here expecting to beat. Alabama, and I, I think that's their approach. And, and Auburn, Alabama, the way that the Iron Bowl rivalry is, I think Brian Harson will find a way to beat Alabama. How often? What? Well, that that's another question, but I do think he finds a way to beat them, especially in his first. I, I will say this: Brian Harson will beat Alabama in his first three or four seasons at Auburn. Well, it's important that we're not zero and four against Alabama, and I don't care if they're three point losses or or fifty point losses. He will be judged by that, regardless. Yeah. So, and if that happened. Yes, thank you, Terry. We appreciate it. That was Terry on the line with us, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840 if you want to join our show. The point that I was about to make there to Terry before he got off, no coach has started out their tenure that I know of. Uh, Going back to Pat Dye, once again, modern era of Auburn football, going back to 1980 with Pat Dye, everything before that. Yes, there was a national championship, and there was a lot of great things that happened for Auburn football before that, but let's look at the last five coaches, recent history. None of them has started 0-4 against Alabama. Yeah, and when 
whenever you look at a guy like Carson. I mean, obviously, and you look at what Bo Nix is saying. I mean, they're they're going they're going out there and they're expecting to compete with Alabama and then to go beat Alabama. We're not sitting here lying down saying it. Well, we're just going to lose to Alabama. And I like what Terry said. It's like you can't line up. You can't just try and play big boy football against Alabama because they got bigger guys. Um, they got more talents on that roster. But I I do think Auburn needs some type of toughness. Uh, to be brought to their program because I think it w really will help them down the line. Well, that's and, how you don't lose to A&M and LSU exactly. like Auburn has lost the last couple of years. Exactly. And so I think, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how Harson's going to do it, but I don't think Harson's going to be the first co uh, coach since the 1980s to uh, to uh, to not beat Alabama or to lose four straight to him uh, to to kick off his tenure with the Tigers. So I think he's going to find a way to do it. And I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but I mean, hey, it's at home. Who knows? Anything could happen. Anything could happen at home in Jordan-Hare, but I think Harson's going to find a way to do it. He had a filler-buster-like opening statement. Not the longest I've heard at SEC Media Days, but it was certainly a long one. I think it bordered on 15 minutes, right? And, and there was only three questions for Brian Harson. but I'll say this. He knocked it out of the park. Excellent first media days. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic opening statement. I saw people on Twitter already power ranking like the different opening statements and stuff like that. Or just the entire conference for SEC coaches, and I had a lot of pe saw a lot of people put Harson somewhere between like tenth and thirteenth. And I was just like, man, that doesn't make sense to me. I thought he re did really, really well. He covered his bases in the first 15 minutes. He only got w time for three questions, and those three questions were not difficult questions. He just was talking about Auburn, how much he loves it, and how they're w where they're going as a program. I mean, I thought it was a great. I thought I thought it was fantastic. It got me hyped up. Maybe want to run through a wall. I think that's all, something that you said and a lot of other yeah. people said. It was like it makes me want to like, all right, if I was a player, if I was a recruit, I'd want to follow that man. I'd want to follow him, and I'd want to join his program because he seems like he knows what he's doing so uh, I'm not saying that he's Nick Saban but his his mentality of like we're going to go out there and we are going to win and this is how we're going to win and we are going to win uh, I think it's I think it's uh, the personality of a, a championship caliber coach Harson was also asked actually it was one of the first questions if not the first question asked to him I believe it was the first one he was asked does he understand what type of pressure cooker he's walking into at Auburn Let's take a listen to his response. You know, as far as, as you know, what you're getting into, here's what I think. Um, for me as a, as a coach and as a competitor, everything I do, uh, I want to win. And so, you know, the preparation and, and all the things that, that go into that, it doesn't matter if I'm at Capitol High School or I'm at Auburn and, and coaching the, the football team there. I mean, it's, it all matters. And so uh, the importance of it, all right, what surrounds it is, is definitely different, definitely different, all right? There's a lot more attention that goes into being the head coach at Auburn University. As far as the importance of, you know, my job and how I view it, um, I've always felt like, you know, I've tried to prepare and, and find ways to win, and, and every little thing is, you know, has mattered, you know, to me, and, and I've tried to work that way and try to develop myself that way. So, um, you know, what we did today in our workouts, it matters, what we do tomorrow and so on. And uh, I'm gonna continue that. Uh, I know that, you know, the microscope is um, a lot different, you know, at Auburn, uh, but that was part of it too, as a competitor, and I said this, I mean, this is why you come to Auburn. This is why you wanna be in the SEC. You wanna play against the best. You've got the best talent. All right, not just in football, but in any sport in the SEC. The best athletes in the world come to the SEC. 
You've got LPGA, you've, you've got NBA players, you've got Olympians, you've got NFL players, you've got the best, you've got the best coaches that are in the SEC. And so if you want to be a part of that, you know, understand what you're getting into, all right, and the level uh, that all those coaches take each and every day and every one of those players. So uh, do I understand that? Yes. Do you work every single day to, to be in that elite group? Yes. That was Brian Harson speaking about his guys and growing this program. Brian Harson, once again, just really eloquent today and really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, everything he said. Uh, I feel like, you know, we talked about Harson coming into this kind of having coach speak. And, you know, to be honest with you, like most of the stuff that he, he, he was uh, answering and most of the things that he were saying did kind of feel coach speak like but it felt like there was purpose to everything he had to say. I feel, I feel like if you if you could go, if, if people are out there listening, you want to go back, you want to read or listen to what Harson had to say, I'd strongly encourage you to do it because he had a lot of fantastic things to say about the direction of this program. And it, it makes me feel it makes me feel better about where I uh, compared to where I was at as an Auburn fan just a few months ago. You know, really afraid of like the future and, and how uncertain things were, and if this coaching staff and Brian Harson were going to be able to uh, you know elevate Auburn to the next level because that's the re- reason they let go of Malzahn, right? Is the, it, is they wanted to uh, to elevate Auburn to the next level? And he said a lot of things today uh, that that made me believe that he can do that. Bo Nix took the stand as well today. He took the podium for Auburn, the Auburn quarterback that at the moment, and Brian Harson is holding true to that there is going to be an intense, fast-paced quarterback battle this fall, but he still brings the junior quarterback, and Bo Nix was one of three quarterbacks to appear at SEC Media Days. He was asked a very interesting question that I thought he had an excellent response to, to criticism that he's received, but also the highs. So between the highs and the lows, what has he learned at Auburn, and I think he answered this question with uh, just absolute eloquence and, and knocked it out of the park as well. So let's take a listen to Bo Nix's response to that criticism. You know, that's a great question. It's an honest question, um, so I appreciate that. But the biggest thing that I've learned is that no matter what you do in life, you could do, um, you could be the most influential play, uh, influential person um, in the country. You could change so many lives, but there's always going to be that one person, uh, more than one person that that doesn't like what you're doing or disagrees or thinks you could do something better. Um, so in high school, you don't really go through that kind of stuff. And um, usually everybody is nice to you and they're your fans. And so you don't really have to go through that. Maybe you'll go through some, some rival schools that will talk mean to you, but that's just fun of being in high school. Now in college, I feel like um, no matter what side you're on, um, you could get bad mouth um, and criticized, which um, it goes with the territory. I knew coming to Auburn what was uh, what I was going to face. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult. Uh, you have to deal with certain fans across the state, um, and so each and every time, every moment of criticism, you just got to reflect on on where you are and, and what I'm doing. I'm just thankful to be at Auburn to be the uh, the quarterback here, and that's a very um, I mean it's a very um, great position to be in. I know there's a lot of people that would like to be there, um, and I'm just thankful um, on for for that opportunity. I'm thankful for what the Lord's done in my life. Um, and at the same time, I just I know whose I am, and that's important. I know that Jesus Christ died for me, um, and and no matter what happens, 
um, that I can always go to him um, in a time of need. And, and I've gotten closer with him throughout my college experience. And um, because as a freshman, when you're young, you're 19 years old, um, you have 40-year-old men talking bad about you. It's just, um, it's a different perspective. And it's one that you just have to look back and realize that the world is bigger than football. And, and so much is going to um, happen outside of it. And tomorrow, the sun will come up. And uh, especially after games, I can get up and I can go to church and um, kind of reset my life and, and know that no matter what happens, uh, football will end one day. Um, and it's just all about what kind of um, impact I, I can have on the lives of others. I think it's a really wise insight there from Bo Nix and what he was talking about, especially the tail end of his statement there and bringing up his relationship with Jesus. It's really refreshing. I always enjoy hearing Bo Nix talk, and, and I understand that, um, you know, he has dealt with a lot of criticism. I, I know you and I on our show have talked a lot about his career at Auburn up to this point. We've had callers talk about his career at Auburn. There's a lot of scrutiny on being a quarterback at a team in the SEC. There's a lot of scrutiny at being the quarterback at Auburn, at Alabama, at Georgia. There are some programs that are just a little bit more high profile than others with a microscope on top of them. And Auburn is no different. And I, I think he had a really great response there as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ. I think it's awesome for him to talk about his relationship with God and to share that and, and to say, hey, like th this is more than football, right? Like. We have, you know, like one day football comes to an end, and I think a lot of that is put into perspective when you talk about some of the things that you see. You know, uh, you know, I, I know you talk about Bobby Bowden this week. You see that, and it's at some point, yeah, football does, football does. You know, everybody's career at some point comes to an end, and I and I really like the fact that uh, that Bo Nix took it took a second there to to share about his relationship with Jesus Christ and. Uh, I hope other people, you know, if they, if they don't know him, I hope they do look into that. Yeah, I think it's fantastic what he had to say. You know, just every time you receive criticism, just be thankful for the position that God put you in. Something that James actually says, I believe it's in the opening chapter, is, is to, uh, to consider it uh, a blessing whenever you are facing persecution and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And I think that's, that's exactly what Bo Nix was talking about right there. And, you know, the grass withers and the flower fades, you know, man. But it, and, and I think it's fantastic that, you know, he understands that the criticism that he's facing for what he's doing right now, it's not going to last forever. Football's not going to last forever. It's important right now but it's not the most important thing in life and so very refreshing things like you said very refreshing things from Bonex. and I love talking sports man I mean that's what we've been here all week doing right and we we love talking sports we love coming here to SEC media days we love debating we love having you know hotly contested conversations with folks I love doing that right like that is that is you and I that's one of our passions in life you and I come here you know we talk about sports we break open our magazines we do that we eat it up my wife can tell you I have a sports conversation probably 75% of my day with somebody that I talk to, I'm probably talking sports with them, and it probably gets on her last nerve, right? But, uh, you know, you know, something that I hope people keep into consideration and something that, it, that has been on my heart a lot of times in my career is just I hope people remember, you know, that, the, that people are real out there. And, and, yes, criticism does come with the job, but also take, take a moment to be a light in the world as well, even if you are a spectator. And, uh, you know, take time to, to respect folks, right, especially in the way that, in which that you talk about them, you know. And so 
I, uh, I, you know, that made me think about that when he was talking about criticism, what, what he's learned, because I think you and I both know this, and a lot of people know this, Bo Nix has been through a lot of criticism since he's been at Auburn. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's fantastic to see, you know, talking about leaders, talking about lead, being a leader with Papo and what comes with that. It, it's, it's good to see, you know, Papo understands what it takes, and it's really good to see that Bo Nix understands what it, what it takes, especially facing so much criticism. I would argue, you know, honestly, that he faces more criticism than any, any other player on the team. I think that's a, I think that's a given, and so for him to understand how he should handle that uh, mentally and how, how he should how he should live his life and how he how he should go about it, I think is fantastic. I think that's great to see from from your quarterback. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we've got a pre-recorded interview with Charlie Trotman, former Auburn football quarterback and current host on the Max Roundtable. We'll be back in just a moment here on On the Line. Our coverage here of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. That'll be how you can get in touch with us here on On the Line. Still a lot of great content to go through today, and we are near at about 35 minutes left in our show. SEC Media Day's coverage presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Lance, we've gone through a lot of what these Auburn players had to say here today. Talked about what Bo Nix had to, had to say. We even spoke with Owen Papo live here on the show earlier. Brian Harson at the podium as well. A lot of great takeaways. If you've missed any of it today, go and find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of the fantastic locations that you can find us at our podcast of course, Bo Nix was also asked about taking the head off the elephant. And Tony Fair is who we're referring to at the moment. Tony Fair had a tweet on Sunday as we were getting ready to head up to media day, said that he uh, it was a natty season. They, they were coming to take the head off the elephant, of course, in referring to beating Alabama. Bo Nix was asked about that. Let's take a listen to his comments. Well, first of all, um, I had a lot of confidence going into Tuscaloosa last year. I don't think the um, location changed my confidence or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I was probably more excited to go to Tuscaloosa um, just because of how hard it was going to be and how difficult it was going to be. Um, and another thing, Tony, he, he transferred um, into us. And um, that quote, obviously, it's a confident quote. But I hope he's coming to take the head off the elephant. I hope he's not coming to get the head taken off the tiger. Um, so that's really important. But I think that. Um, Actually, I like the quote. I think it's important because we're not scared of Alabama. I know that um, a lot of people want us to be scared, but we're really not. Um, and they had a great team last year. They beat us um, last year head-to-head. Uh, they beat us pretty bad, but um, that game was close at the beginning, and it was honestly closer than they had played. Um, and there at the end, they just did what they do, um, and, and they obviously they had a great team, so they continued to just build on that. Um, but I'm excited. I'm happy he said that because everybody at Auburn should come in with the mindset of beating Alabama. Um, and that's just important to us. It's important to me. Um, obviously, I understand how it is beating them in 2019. And um, we have a lot of guys on our team that's beating them. So uh, moving forward, um, especially this year, having it back home, um, obviously it is exciting to play the Iron Bowl um, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's going to be one of the um, biggest, loudest games of the year. It always is. Um, and so we're just excited. And um, I think there's a mutual respect between Auburn and Alabama. I think they know that they're going to Alabama to beat Auburn. And we 
are going to Auburn to beat Alabama. Um, and both games, or all the games are always respectful. Um, it's fair. Um, and both sides appreciate the other for what they have to go through. Um, but for Auburn, we are here to, um, to win those big games and, and to take the head off the elephant. Now, I've talked to enough Alabama fans, I've talked to enough Alabama people to say, <laughs> to know that a, a decent amount of them would in response have said, we go to Alabama to go and win a national championship, not necessarily beat Auburn right. But I, I think the statement is very true. Both of these teams know the history of the Iron Bowl rivalry. And when they go and play each other, these two teams want to beat each other. They, they care a lot about this game. And if the other side denies that, uh, I have a hard time believing that that's true because they know. And, and Auburn's beaten them enough in the past eight years, three and five against Alabama in the last eight years. Of course, that may not be a winning record, but Auburn's won enough in the past eight years for them to know that Auburn can mess them up for a national championship or an SEC championship run if they don't beat them. Yeah, and, you know, I really like what he what he had to say there about, you know, anybody that comes through this Auburn program should expect to beat Alabama, every single one that comes through. And I think that's a fantastic mindset. You shouldn't be scared of a team. You should go in, and like Harson said, you should go into every single game and every single day and expect to win because if you can't, if you don't believe that you, that, you, uh, that you can win, you aren't going to win. You aren't going to put yourself in a, in a position mentally to where you can go out there, you can have success, and you can win a ball game. And so I really like that mentality again talking about these players taking on the personality of their coaches specifically in terms of these two guys Papo and Nicks and learning how to be leaders I think they understand what it takes to win I think they understand they have to know that they have to go out there and win I really like the confidence I love the confidence from my quarterback also just look at the hierarchy right now in college football there's there's no doubt about it right now Alabama is at the top alongside Clemson Ohio State I think Georgia's you know, second consistently in the SEC. Of course, they didn't finish there last year, but consistently they have been second in the SEC. That's the hierarchy right now. You have to beat the best to be the best, right? And Auburn's very much so in that chasing pack at the moment, and Auburn knows the, the importance of beating Alabama. And once again, you talk about when Auburn has had a successful season, when Auburn has had a national championship caliber season, when Auburn has been able to go all the way, guess who they had to go through? They had to go through Alabama. Typically in dramatic fashion, but they did have to go through Alabama. So these two programs know the importance of it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's bulletin board material whatsoever. By the time that November rolls around, that, that won't be on the bulletin board in the Alabama locker room, I don't think. Let's take a quick break here. we still got 30 minutes left in the show. We have a special pre-recorded interview with Andy Burcham of the Auburn Sports Network coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Day four coverage of SEC Media Days here on On the Line, presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Day four coverage of SEC Media Days here at Birmingham. Only 30 minutes left in our show until the drive with Bill Cameron coming up from 4 to 6 p.m. They're hustling their way back, I think, all the way back to Auburn. Uh, so you'll be able to hear them today from 4 to 6, once again on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Day four coverage of SEC Media Days presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Had a conversation with Andy Burcham, play-by-play -play commentator, of course, for football, basketball, baseball. He does all the sports on the Auburn Sports Network. We spoke with Andy Burcham earlier today as Auburn was getting set for day four of SEC Media Days. Let's take a listen to that convo. 
Noah Gardner on the line with Auburn Sports Network play-by-play announcer Andy Burcham. Andy, day four of SEC Media Days. Auburn rolls into Hoover. Of course, a lot of excitement about new Auburn football head coach Brian Harson. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. Excited about this day for, for Coach Harson uh, and for Auburn to get this day. And, and then, you know, in about a week or so, I mean, it's the start of fall camp and and everything starts rolling at that point. And uh, all, all points then lead to September 4th at home against Akron. Of course, we've talked to a lot of different personalities this week, and pretty much the consensus is that a lot of them don't really know anything about Brian Harson. Of course, the last time we really got to see him in, in a main capacity standing at a podium was back at A-Day several months ago in April. For those folks out there that are getting a look at Brian Harson for the first time, what kinds of things are they going to see from Brian Harson? One is very detail oriented. Uh, I think that will. The, I think folks will understand that pretty quickly about Coach Harson. Uh, he is uh, intense. Has a great personality. I, I think folks will enjoy listening to Coach Harson when they get that opportunity. We're looking forward to to getting to be with him on a on a weekly basis on Tiger Talk and for Brad Law before and after each of the the Auburn football games this season. But listen, there's a lot of unknowns for everybody. Uh, at this point how will this offense hopefully how does this offense improve from a year ago is Bo Nix more consistent at the quarterback spot the young wide receivers how do they perform I think there's great talent there but they're unproven at this point Uh, defensively up front how does that that defensive line form for them I love Auburn's linebackers Owen Papo who'll be here today and Ricochet Rabbit Kobe McClain and, uh, and then I, I like the secondary as well. And I know it lost some to the NFL draft, but I think there's a, a, some great experience. And then the kicking game is back intact, which is nice. We've seen what the a kicking game or lack thereof can, can do to some pretty good programs <laughs> in the past. <laughs> Of course, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the projections out there. And I know you may not be in the predictions game, of course, but... You've seen anywhere between you know third in the SEC to I even talked to somebody yesterday who put Auburn at sixth on their ballot, and, and a lot of times the average seems to be at fifth. And and a lot of times what we've said on our show is that expect Auburn to be better than that. Sell folks on why Auburn has a lot of upside and better than fifth in the SEC West. I I, I can understand because folks simply just don't know at this point, and some folks don't want Auburn to be good anyway. So <laughs> I think that that goes into it. But but let's look back at the history of Auburn. Regardless of the head coach, some of Auburn's best years have been years in which no one expected them to do anything. I mean, listen, as good as Cam Newton became in 2010, going into that year, we really didn't know. As good as Nick Marshall became in 2013, and granted, it took two of the greatest finishes in college football history in Georgia and Alabama, that that team wasn't highly thought of going in. And yet both of those teams played for national championships and won one of them and should have won the second one so Auburn has a history of of performing well in which years where there's not a lot expected of them and I I hope that that is that's the case again that that the history repeats itself there but to tell you that I know exactly how this Auburn team's going to play I'd be lying to you if I did I I don't know I will find out with everyone else uh, how this team how this staff uh, comes together and um you know, it's been an unusual time. Think about a head coach being hired on the announcement made on Christmas Eve. Um, he does his first press conference. 
he's in a COVID protocol. He doesn't meet the family of his current players until A Day. That's when he met the moms and the dads and and family members of the guys that he's had on campus. And he doesn't get recruits on campus until June 1. That's tough for anybody. It's really tough for somebody in the SEC, let alone the SEC West. But that's been the scenario for Brian Harson and how he responds to that, how his team responds to that. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what, what this season is going to be like. Of course, a lot of new rule changes rolled out recently. Transfer portal, NIL as well. Both of those have been major topics throughout this SEC media days. Your takes on any of that? thought Auburn did a pretty good job in the transfer portal. I think it's helped it's, it's it's helped its team with the transfer portal. I don't think there's, you know, guys out there. I don't, I don't know if there's a Cam Newton out there. We'll find out. Um, but I think Auburn has helped itself with the transfer portal. Some of the guys decided to leave and go elsewhere. That was to be expected. NIL. I mean, we, we you know, I know that's been a big topic this week with what's happened with the Alabama quarterback, with the folks at, at, at Texas A&M and that type of thing. Um, I think Auburn's done a good job of, of managing that. It, that. That's an evolving topic. We don't know what we don't know at this point with regard to NIL. But it's here, and it's here to stay. Uh, whether the transfer portal remains, you know, one and done and you can go and immediately play, whether that continues, that, that remains to be seen at this point. And then, of course, the news coming out yesterday about Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, it's fascinating. It, it reminded me, and I was on your side of the microphone for many years at, at this Media Days. And there was a year at, at Media Days where they made the announcement that Arkansas and South Carolina were coming to the league. We, we had Media Days that morning. We had, an af- we had a, a, a mid-afternoon golf tournament. And then we came back here in, in this hotel and listened to Roy Kramer announce Arkansas and South Carolina as members. That, that happened during SEC media days. I find it ironic that the news about Oklahoma and Texas initially comes out from the Houston Chronicle. So that will be fascinating to watch. I, I was talking with Brad Law about it yesterday. I thought he put it well. There's, there's, a, there's too much smoke there for that just – I think there is something to that. We'll find out just how much and how quickly in, in the days to come. And your experience in watching college football and in seeing the SEC evolve then, I kind of said this a little bit yesterday, is there a law of diminishing return on competition entering the SEC? Could too much competition be a bad thing for the league? Well, you know, they probably said that when Arkansas and South Carolina joined, and they probably said it again when it was Missouri and Texas A&M. And look at those programs. They've all been very, very successful in various sports in the Southeastern Conference. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are we, heading, are we heading to that what we thought would be super conferences? Possibly. If, if Texas and Oklahoma join this league in the next couple of years, it'd be hard not to say. Listen, we all think that the Southeastern Conference is a super conference, but it'd be hard not to say that it's a super conference. If it happens, and again, if, I don't have, I have no inside knowledge here. What does it do to divisions? Is there one division? Is there two? Is there four? You know, who goes where? It'll be fascinating to see all of that at that point. And that's two outstanding 
schools in many sports. It's not just football, and that's what we're concentrating on right now. But you look at what Texas does in baseball and what Texas does in women's basketball, what it does in many sports. Oklahoma is the same way. They're the defending softball national champs. They're thought about as a playoff contender every year in football. They have been outstanding in basketball, women's basketball. So while we concentrate this week on football, it goes much deeper uh, on the landscape of the Southeastern Conference if, again, if those two teams eventually become parts of this league. Last question to you about things going back to normal, of course. I I hate to talk about the coronavirus and and COVID-19 because it's talked about so often, but I know for you and what you do and play-by-play and calling ball games, it's going to be different this year than it was last year, hopefully, and, 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 and hopefully things are going to be getting back to normal. What does that what, what what is that like for you getting back to back into the booth i'll be honest with you i took for granted what a game day atmosphere at auburn was like whether it's for football or what a big basketball game game day is like with the jungle right behind sonny smith and brad law and i courtside at auburn Rooney. i took for granted what a huge baseball series is like at plainsman park or at jane b moore field I'll never do that again because last year, listen, Auburn did a great job with that a year ago of of managing a smaller capacity. But listen, there were times where you're like, man, I cannot wait. I parked on the front row, the front row at Beardy's Coliseum and literally walked across the street into the stadium. You never do that on a football Saturday. At Auburn, you have RVs there. You ha- you you drive into campus, and the RVs are in the hayfields on Thursday. Uh, folks are starting to put up their tent as soon as they can on Friday to tailgate. We did all of our our tailgate shows, typically for home games. We're on the east side of Jordan Hare Stadium on a beautiful stage, right outside the student gate. The band comes by at some point and plays War Eagle. All of those folks in their their tailgate tents. Are right there with us. Last year, we did everything inside the stadium, and I love the guys that I work with on the on the network crew. But I enjoy being out at that tailgate spot and getting a chance to see folks and having our guests come in. And I can't wait for that to happen again this year. I can't wait to be on the sidelines at at Auburn Arena with the jungle right behind us. And sometimes they they get really close to us, you know and to be a part of that atmosphere. There were times last year doing games up on the concourse, and you could see that, that, that Bruce Pearl was frustrated that Auburn makes a big run and the crowd doesn't respond because the crowd isn't there. You know? Um, and I look forward to being able to travel again this year. We did every away basketball game outside our broadcast booth at Jordan-Hare Stadium last year grateful for the opportunity to do it don't get me wrong but i want to be with that team i want to be you know going to thompson bowling arena or to happy valley here in the third week of this season uh, so i'm I'll, I'll never take for granted what what we we did not have a year ago andy i appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today my pleasure Noah. have a great day that was andy bircham of the auburn sports network That was Andy Burcham of the Auburn Sports Network, still live here at SEC Media Days. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will wrap up SEC Media Days here, coverage of that presented by Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Wrapping up SEC Media Day's coverage here. Only seven minutes left in our show. Only seven minutes left in our time here. Presented by the Orthopedic Clinic, Redmond Vodka, and Kia of Auburn. Lance, has been an excellent week here. Wrapping up everything that we had to talk about from Auburn today, one takeaway from Auburn football. Auburn is a lot – they are a lot more focused than I thought they would be. They, they know what they want to do, and they know how to execute a lot better than I thought they would. They, are, they were well-prepared. They were well-spoken, and I'm talking about Brian Harson, Owen Papo, and Bo Nix, and they all had very confident things to say that for me as an Auburn fan were inspiring and excite me for this fall. It was, it was, it was a lot better than I could have possibly anticipated in terms of, as a fan, feeling comfortable about my team and the direction that they're heading and even in the future not just this season but uh, seasons uh, in the future so now let's get to ballot time Lance we put in our ballots I put mine in earlier this morning I waited till the last day you did yours last night and I want to know I want to know where did you pick Auburn to finish the reason that I picked Auburn where I picked them to finish is is uh, again we've had this conversation before on the show. It's like I don't want to pick Auburn to do something that that may be incredibly optimistic and expect that only to uh, be sent down to earth. And I I picked this before I heard Brian Harson and them speak. I've, that might have had an influence on where I would have put them after the fact. But I have Auburn finishing fourth in the West. Now, the reason I have them finishing right there in the middle of the pack is because you know there we like Bertram said. We don't know. Until this team takes the field, we don't know what this program's going to do. There are some people that say they're going to be terrible. There are some people that are saying they're going to be really, really good under Harson. But the fact of the matter is we just don't know. How about we just put them right in the middle and just see what happens? So it was it was less of a, I think that's what's going to happen, more of a, eh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see what happens. I jumped all in, man. I went all in today with Auburn on my ballot. I have been incredibly optimistic about this Auburn team. I've said at the least 8-4. and four, I have said at the best 10-2. and two. And I chose to predict Auburn in that 10-2 and two range today, and I put him at second in the SEC West. Now, I may be the only person here that put Auburn at second in the SEC West, and I know how incredibly optimistic that that sounds about this Auburn football team. But I have broken down on repeated occasions here on this program about why I have that optimism for this team. I think the talent is there. Auburn is an incredibly cyclical team when you look at their history in the last 10, 15 years, or really past 10 years, definitely the last 15 years, stretching back to Tuberville. And you look back at that 2004 SEC championship, from that moment on, you see an Auburn team that makes a run at an SEC championship, like clockwork, on average, 4.3 years is how long they are removed from an SEC championship. Guess how long away Auburn is from that? It's been about four years since, right? Right. They're an extremely experienced team. Auburn does its mo- Auburn does its biggest damage when nobody expects them to, right? And this Auburn team, I really like how the schedule sets up for them. I think that they've got ample time to be able to prepare for that ball game in Baton Rouge. You get all four of those non-con games. I think you get a very winnable game in Happy Valley against Penn State, a team that I, I'm very down on at the moment. And when you and I were previewing it, I'm down on that team. I think that this – 
squad can go in there and win in Happy Valley and be going into that Baton Rouge game up, you know, with a 4-0 record. And Coach Hartson definitely feels like the type of person, especially after putting those into words today at SEC Media Days, you talk about what Coach Hartson has with his mentality. This is the mentality that Auburn has been needing. This is the mentality that Auburn has been needing for so long, and now Auburn's finally getting it, and folks are backing off and saying that they're going to get to 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. The talent didn't go anywhere. The talent's still here. They needed the right mentality, the right coach, and I'm uh, – I'm taking a step out there and saying that Brian Horson's the right coach. And, you know, that's something that Jordan Rogers was saying on SEC Now earlier today is, you know, it, it, Bo Nix has not had the answers to the test up until this point, and a lot of that had to do with scheme, and it had to do with the previous coaching staff. If Auburn's going to succeed, Bo Nix needs to have the answers to the test this season. This entire team needs to have the answers to the test because, like you said, the talent didn't just disappear. It's not like the Auburn's returning nine starters on offense, and that means nothing. They've got a Heisman candidate, in my opinion, in the backfield in Tank Bixby. They've got a former five-star quarterback in Bo Nix. They've got five starters returning on an offensive line that, albeit was not great last year, but has the potential to improve. They need the answers to the test. They've got a young and talented receiving core. This team, and the defense, by the way, the reason I don't bring them up is because I think that, that side of the ball is taken care of. I think a lot of concerns are on the offensive side. I think the defense is going to hold its own. It's just can this offense score points? I think – in order for Auburn to take the next step, like Jordan Rogers said, they need to have the answers, and I think this coaching staff can do it. You say concerns on the offensive side of the ball, and, and I know what you mean by that. Maybe we should rein it back a, a notch, though, and, say, and just be willing to say we don't know, right? There's talent on that side of the ball. Once again, sure. I go back to the talent didn't leave Auburn. The talent didn't have a mass exodus like Tennessee. Of course, Auburn did have a lot of players transfer, but it, it, hardly any of them were, were starters. And if they were starters, they were on the defensive side of the ball. You didn't have a ton leave the program. Of course, you lost all three of your wide receivers, but you bring back your quarterback, you bring back your running back, you bring back your entire offensive line. Teams would kill to be in that situation going into this year. Once again, I go back to the fact that only three quarterbacks were brought to SEC Media Days here. There was a lot of players that left this conference last year that were absolute dogs, right? I'm optimistic this, that this Auburn team can get it done. I really am. And, and I, I think they've got the right coach. I think that they've got the right mentality. And I think they're really going to shock some people this year. Do I think that they're going to win the conference? Of course not. That, that is not where I've got Auburn pegged at right now. But I definitely think that they have a surprising year. And, and uh, that would fall right in with the trends of first-year head coaches at Auburn really shocking people because they typically do better than what was predicted of them going into that year. Pat Dye did. Pat Dye improved upon what was before him. Tommy Tuberville improved on what was before him. Terry Bowden won his first 20 games. Gus Malzahn took his team to a national championship. Gene Chizik took him two years to get to a national championship. Had an improvement off of the year before when he first took over. It, 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 I know folks from outside this realm, from outside of Auburn, that they have no idea how to predict Auburn. But this is, uh, you know, for being inside of it, you understand the chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, it could go up. It could go down. It, it could be we, – we have no idea what's in store for Auburn this season. But there's a lot of optimism around the program, and I'm excited. That's it for our coverage of SEC Media Days in Birmingham presented by the Orthopedic Clinic with locations in Auburn and Opelika, Redmond Vodka distilled right here in Birmingham in Kiev, Auburn, where you're always number one. We'll be back in Auburn tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. We'll see you.